Hey, Pleasure Bays. It's part two of Some Plentiful Playful Kiki with Miss Shady McGrady, a.k.a. K. Phillips. Let's go. Welcome to the Save With Sex podcast. I'm your host, Siobhan L., pleasure scholar and creative mother of the Muses Lab. Together, we journey through sex, pleasure, and the erotic as it relates to our relationships, spirit, self, and our overall human experience. I'm elated to be your guide on this adventure. So grab your tools of pleasure, ground, and let's go. Interesting though, because like I have been like noticing like even I guess like influencers and stuff like Mm -hmm. will write a book will be you know on the way to like writing a book and that is like a part of that's so interesting though. Yeah. Ooh, child. Yeah, it's it's all it's part of branding. Like, if I was as a as a strategist, right? Because I I work as a strategist in my daylight gig. I, I'm in the healthcare field, but I'm a I'm a strategist in the daylight, right? So as a strategist, if I'm working with an influencer and we're talking about brand positioning, and I'm proposing to work with you, writing a book would be one of my strategies because that's how you position yourself as an authority. Also, when you write a book, that's all the content that you need to do for the rest of the year. You could take excerpts from mm-hmm. your book and do clips. Now you got book you tours. You tour, yeah. Right. You got book tours. You got book signings, workshops, conferences. A book is literally your content for the year. Yeah. That's that's wild. Cause then I'm like I'm thinking about people who have put out like um like political heavy books like mm-hmm. Angela Davis's and like the like I'm, I'm yeah. thinking and I'm like I wonder how many sales those books got um because like the content mm-hmm. is the heavy. content right the content <laughs> you is know heavy. but like and I I'm wondering hmm I'm wondering if this is I've been hearing people using the phrase like anti intellectualism. Mm. um like on twitter and i don't know if people are referring to like a group of people who are just like fuck books we're not gonna read it's unclear to me what that means but if if it's kind of connected to um like rejection of i guess like combing through like text to like come to like different levels of like understandings about things I can see how that can like sort of intersect with like this notion of books being used as like a way to establish credibility because then it's like it's all kind of in service to capitalism like it's useful if you don't know shit and it's useful if if you're only writing to make more money right and it's like what about the girlies that (laughs) just want to read (laughs) and want to learn right and want to learn so i'm wondering if anti-intellectualism is centered around your cornell wests and all those black intellectuals who have this (laughs) who come out and they have these i'm wondering if it's like we know that you all have these theories of thought and things like that but Mm -hmm. Are you speaking above the collective? Like, how is it being an intellectual for for me? Because people have said that I'm an intellectual. I do not think that I am. Maybe I am. And Mm -hmm. I just move differently or I just approach things differently. But when I think about intellectuals, particularly with me going to an HBCU, right? So 
I was in the AUC and I actually took class with Corner West's son. That's another conversation for another day. So, West <laughs> Junior. <laughs> oh, woo, that was interesting, especially like during the rise of what we call the Hotep, right? So, you know, the the black activists and stuff, they were like really heavy when I was in college, particularly at Morehouse, a lot of black men that were like of that, course. who are who are very prominent in as far as like black intellectualism now they were in they were down there when i was da- when i was down there so mm-hmm. i'm also thinking about being at different rallies or talking about being in different like workshops and things like that and really just trying to understand what the hell people are talking about because i just felt like people were talking above me and i was like maybe this is just not for me like I want to be part of the revolution, televised or not. I had Mm -hmm. some thoughts about how us as a collective, we're moving, particularly women. I've always been for women and femmes. That's just always been my jam. But I, and I have some thoughts, but in these circles that I'm running through, people are using language and words that is just above me. So maybe that's not for me. And it makes, I wonder if anti-intellectualism is removing from the flowery language the rhetoric language and really getting down to the core and the crux of what the message is for the lay people who are with the shit but they can't fuck with everybody else because everyone else is speaking above them because they don't have the same level of education so like if you're going to talk about all of these theories and things of that nature you have to understand that everybody black does not have the same education as you do but they may Mm -hmm. understand what you're talking about if you speak to them in a way that's resonant if yeah yeah so so two things i just looked up like anti-intellectualism so Mm -hmm. that actually means like the hostility to and the mistrust of who are considered intellectuals, um, like of intellect, of like of experts and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. I think what you were naming though, I think there's a difference between this concept and like the concept of like accessibility. Mm-hmm. Cause I think that like, for me, what I see as someone who has been, um, I just graduated from grad school like last year. Mm-hmm. Um, one thing that I struggled with because I came, I had a background in accounting. I know numbers. <laughs> like, that, that's my bread and butter. So I, when I came into my grad program, which was for uh, women's gender sexuality studies with a concentration in public policy, mm-hmm. right? Like you're starting to read like some of these more like feminist types of, of texts right. and like these words are being used and mm-hmm. like every sentence you got to define three words in the, <laughs> in the sentence. And Correct. then it's also like you already don't get the opportunity to really like read full text because like, you don't have that kind of time in grad school. Mm-hmm. Like they want you to read seven articles in th- in three days, <laughs> twenty four hours, really, really in twenty four hours. That's really like, how they- and and then have a discussion forum post. So like you got to hit the points. You got to hit the main points. So mm-hmm. there's also stuff that kind of gets lost that I feel like can help make the argument more here with it. Yeah. Um. That it kind of gets lost because we don't have the time to read all of that. Right. Um, and so I think for me, like I've always struggled with like the level of accessibility is one of the reasons why like I try to like I and I kind of like, you know, I have <laughs> I, I still struggle with like my writing process and like, you know, really claiming myself as a writer because like I don't write in certain ways. And like it, it I feel like it has been that thing, especially when you start reading people like Foucault and like 
mm-hmm. Butler and like all these folks. It's like you like you get through one paragraph, you don't know what the fuck. At least I didn't know what the fuck they were saying. Same. <laughs> I will use I statements here. I did not know what the fuck they were saying. Same. Um, and like, of course, like you can be in these conversations with people in your class. And like, you can, some people might have saw something and was like, oh, this is what I pulled from it. And it's like, oh, okay. Well, if that is that, then this might be this. Or mm-hmm. then you can sort of tease it out. But like, this is not, these types of texts, academic articles, journals, those types of things. These are not texts that are mass produced right. for the public. Right. And so typically what you find is that people would just speak to the field. Mm-hmm. And these niggas already know what they're talking about. <laughs> I don't. I just got here. I just met y'all. <laughs> I don't know the language. I don't know the jargon. I hope it's good. <laughs> I hope right. the conversation is good. Right. Um, so I think that that is separate from like just a complete mistrust. Because I feel like that that was highlighted at the beginning of this pandemic mm-hmm. with like different things like being posted all this misinformation and it's like niggas are not and like and it's complicated because like the cdc is like not as trustworthy but it's also way more trustworthy than world star (laughs) hip-hop so it's like what do you do especially when like the state has control over what information gets consumed so now you're like you don't know what to do (laughs) and if you don't have like a certain level of understanding around like science and science can get very complicated very quickly you are already out the gate so like now people are making these decisions that they might not fully understand is a detriment to other people simply because information is just not accessible in a way for people to really pick up on it and really understand it yeah um and I just have it's one of the reasons why I write the way that I write because I'm like I I try to write in ways where it's like follow my brain with me yeah (laughs) that's like sort of the intention yeah um yeah yeah streaming consciousness um but also like I try to you know I'm a goofy person so like there are certain ways that I like communicate different points and I have to connect it to like some regular regular nigga shit for you to get (laughs) and that's not like that's not me dumbing it down Mm -hmm. that's actually me just being more clear about what I'm talking about because like sometimes like people will use these ten dollar thousand dollar words mm-hmm. and it's like you could have you could have just said that in like five five words like <laughs> i really want you didn't need that Wait, um, but yeah right and but it, i think it also just sort of speaks to just like that's just specific to like academia in my mind but mm-hmm. there are just different instances like paywalls when it comes to like articles that you want to read that's like exactly why i gotta pay to read <laughs> be stressing me out that'd be stressing me out. and that wasn't always a thing I don't think um and so it's just like I think yeah there's just so much around like information the consumption of information and like the role that the state has in it and like how it's all connected to capitalism and like imperialism and like all these different systems because it's like the girls don't want me to know shit (laughs) because they want me to die Be dumb, and, be dumb and die like that's that's be it. dumb be black dumb and die, die. bitch <laughs> no gotta add that at the end bitch <laughs> it's wild it's wild so like the fact that like people would just write a book to establish credibility instead of writing something that people could actually use and like just sort of speaking for itself mm-hmm it's weird. Anansi. <laughs> mm. Anansi. And not 
I mean, playing in your face, just like playing in your face is is it's very strange. And I hope the content of these books that are coming out in the space are good, though. Hopefully, fingers crossed. I don't know. I haven't read these books of these influencers. (laughs) Friend, I don't know. No, (laughs) I don't don't know, friend. I feel. I feel like I feel you, but I feel like uh, the <laughs> I feel like the time of people like the facade of people yeah. trying to pump fake like they know what they're talking about is nearing its end. Not as quickly as I would like it to end. But <laughs> I feel like it's nearing its end because it's, it's interesting, the anti-intellectualism, because the definition that you looked up is exactly what I was thinking about. Just mistrust in all these people in academia or people who are theorists and everything. Like everyone saying, shut the fuck up because y'all really don't know what you're talking about. You're just coming up with shit out your ass. So... Mm-hmm. I thought about that, but I also feel like there's this new, and that's what I'm actually hearing in my ear right now. There's this new level of intellectualism that's going to come out or that's going to emerge that has a sense of practicality to it. Oh, yeah. So it, it has that that thought, that thought leadership, that philosophical, that wisdom element to it but it's practical information that people can utilize in real time. And I think that's kind of where we come in, where we can take all of these theories and and thoughts and ideologies and just not, like you said, not dumb it down, but make it regular degular. So like the average motherfucker on the street with fifth grade reading level, because in America, that's what we got here, fifth grade reading level. So Which is another point, yes. Right. So, you know, (laughs) literacy levels is low as hell, and you got people using SAT words with niggas who ain't never passed no SAT, right? So, already fucking up. So, we are there's already a huge gap in understanding as it is. So, I feel like there's going to be more people like us that's able to take these wild outlandish very broad concepts and make them into bite-sized ways that people can ingest them and spark thought for people to kind of research on their own and really be able to interpret that information in a way where they can share it and pass it along and that's how we start to build build up new thought and new idealism and new ideologies and new intellect it's gonna have some practicality to it where people can relate certain things or real real life things with these ideas of thought so to speak yeah and i think also with that like there because when i because when you talked about like the literacy rate i was like they literally keep deflated education (laughs) at the national level but and also it's like I, I was I was looking at um are you are you familiar with the uh, Black Women Radicals? No. Follow them. Um, also follow School for Black Feminist Politics. Um, they're both ran. Uh, I think her name is Jamie Swift, and um, she basically has created this platform where like you have like different 
black feminists, black queer feminists will just talk about some shit. Like they would have like a topic and they'll talk about it. So like I know a couple of people that I was in like organizing circles with, like they have done like a couple of presentations on like black ecology, abolition, care work, um, all these different types of things. Um, that's uh, that's more so under um, School for Black Feminist Politics. Um, and I think there are other things happening with like the overarching Black women radicals. I think there's a lot of interviewing and stuff. But they had like this IG Live not too long ago with, um, her name is Belfina, and she runs this platform called Archive Liberia. And um, basically, um, she, she sort of like starts with like her family and sort of asks questions and that leads her to like, researching different things and like and especially apparently like there was a civil war that happened in Liberia where like there there's this thing around like documents not being documents being lost in like all of that so like even this process of like archival is complicated for a lot of different reasons um but also the way that she can like has talked about like going about it is like very community centered mm -hmm. like people are aware so I think that like there has to be a point where like people stop trying to appeal to like mm -hmm. masses of people yeah. because yeah. everything doesn't work for everybody. And mm -hmm. like there are different considerations to think about yeah. when you're trying to teach a thing to a bunch of people at once. Mm -hmm. And so I think that at some point there's just probably going to be like this, this building from the ground up or with people who are willing and able <laughs> to do to do this and it's also she also um runs like the woman is reader and like one of the things she talked about was like that came from a place of like an access issue like you telling the girls to do the reading but like page what book what author which people because i don't want to read everybody <laughs> and so like sort of creating something to like make it accessible like here you want this particular book here's the link to the pdf like mm -hmm. and all of that i also think that too like at some point, the girl is going to have to get their hands dirty in terms of like actually doing research. Mm -hmm. uh, one of the things I, I did like a panel, this is not me like, I did a panel, um, but I, I um, had an opportunity to, to go back to NC State for at the Women's Center. They had like their 30th anniversary thing. I saw that. Yeah, and it was like an intergenerational panel with like different people who've like worked with the Women's Center at different times. Mm -hmm. And I can't remember what the question was, but it says something about like, what do you suggest that people do or some shit like that? And I was like, tell the truth and do your homework. <laughs> that was it. That was my two things because like telling the truth, like truth telling, like um, one of my, one of the people that I ran in like organizing circles with, they did uh, a thing around like June Jordan. They were talking about like truth telling mm -hmm. is the first step to being a menace to the state. Um, and that's, that's like, she loves June Jordan. Okay. <laughs> um, so, so like telling the truth to yourself, telling the truth in general, telling the truth about politics and how it influences people and all of these things. And also just doing your homework. There's so much shit that we don't know. Mm. And there's so much shit that people are talking about that have been talked about forever. <laughs> and it's like, if you just go back in time, <laughs> If you just would have read, they answered that question twenty years ago. Actually, <laughs> if you it's go weird. to your local, if you go to your local library and ask your hello. local librarian, hello, people, black very confused. Like, 
Mm. What's going on? And I'm like, bell hooks. <laughs> she tried to help you. <laughs> catalogs. Ago. Catalogs of things since 1970s. Like catalogs. It's like, like it's there. Especially with like things being digitized. Like yes. it's there. And so like people have to get their hands hands dirty and get to digging. Cause like it's like and also it's kind of like once you reach, like once you kind of know a certain amount of things, you just stop talking. Because <laughs> it's like you kind of know what's mm. going on and you know what's worth repeating. Mm. Mm. And you just stop talking because it's like, wow. Mm. I was, I'd be, I'd be in like a bunch of like webinars. There was another webinar I was looking at. Um, and he had answered some sort of question. And he was like, you know, if people have any questions about like how I get to, you know, this particular thought, here's the bibliography. Like, period like this is <laughs> this is what informed my thought get to tell you me what you think <laughs> i need to start i feel like i need to start doing it so it started with and not from like a condescending way right because like there are some people like there is some grace to be had especially if these people are your friends and stuff like that yeah. like yeah. of course like according to your level of connection with this person mm -hmm. like you this might be a bibliography for person this might be a okay friend like here's this book I kind of want to read this with you like let's do this thing together yeah and, like that of course that operates varying levels right. <laughs> I just want to make sure right. I put it out there <laughs> right no but that's that's important to note because we started doing syllabus or syllabi I should say we started doing syllabi and it started with Beyonce's Lemonade and they wrangled that syllabi, that syllabus so quickly. So they did lemonade. Then they get they did um was the first Solange album. The name escapes me. I have both of them, but the name escapes me. But is the we started with that and we started doing syllabi for different bodies of work, musical bodies of work that have literary bodies of work that match that and I feel like we collectively because if I say we then somebody gonna be like oh Siobhan you gonna do a syllabus bitch like <laughs> I'm trying to wrinkle I'm just trying to be consistent with this motherfucking podcast you want me to do a motherfucking syllabus you <laughs> gotta have be a community effort bitch but I feel like collectively we need to get back to the practice of specific topics whether it's romance whether it's theory what whatever it is we need to start creating bibliographies or syllabi where people can reference it so somebody starts talking off their ass or they're saying like oh this hasn't been done before click here's the link boo yeah has here's the body of work of things that have been done on the topic that you're talking about and it is an ongoing working document it has to be an ongoing working document because if we just say this yeah. is it then we're going to lie to ourselves because there's so much text whether it's an article whether it's a book whether it's a webinar whether it's now a podcast episode whether it's a youtube video from the mm -hmm. 1960s that somebody put on youtube like all of that stuff needs yeah. to be there because it's mixed media work that has been created around so, so many of the things that we're talking about and a lot of the stuff is starting to repeat itself or it's starting to show like, man, they was talking about that in 65. Here it is, yeah. 2022. Damn, we still talking about the same shit. The consistency of shenanigans over time. 
is easily communicated. <laughs> like, where is the critical media analysis? I mean, there is no progress. It's like we started shifting and then all of a sudden, like niggas just pivoted back to like 75. And it's like, wow, mm -hmm. y'all, we here again, huh? Talking about the same shit. Right. Right. <laughs> uh I I think and it's it's one of the things I'm not like, you know, trained in it or nothing, but like media analysis, mm -hmm. I love to break shit down. Like I film if I like I have okay this is one of my writing ideas I have a writing idea around thinking about black women rappers from the south mm -hmm. not all of them but some of them as like another iteration of the black southern gothic tradition mm -hmm. like I have but like people I I mean we've already like of course you have like those like intro to hip-hop classes and like mm -hmm. I know I, they're hip hop professors, like I, you know. So, like in terms of like taking hip hop seriously in that way academically, I know that that's a thing. But I think that like overall, like critical media analysis mm -hmm. is gonna have to be the bread and butter. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Because like how what we do in media, like everything in like pleasure and entertainment and sports communicates a lot of shit mm -hmm. if you're looking for it yeah it communicates our values mm -hmm. it communicates the people that we dispose of mm -hmm. it communicates like how we navigate our lives on a daily basis like as, especially as someone who is like a junior kinkster in the kink scene mm -hmm. i'm looking at this space like what does the darkness tells me what does the darkness tell me about the light like what does this non-respectable kinky taboo space telling me about people who are respectable and like like we gotta do that <laughs> because like for the king scene for a lot of people it is a place of escapism yes so what are you escaping from mm. and how do we live lives that are more integrated <laughs> where you don't feel like you have to change your um your phone based on who you were around but I feel like there's an element to that that you do because there's an escapism aspect to kink. And then there's a this is my private life and I need parts of me to be separate from. Yeah, discernment is important. Right. From who I am in the light. Right. So I love the escapism element because in the light, a lot of us cannot be free to mm -hmm. be who we are just based on the type of daylight life that we have built for ourselves, right? Like you have a lot of people in kink who are corporate executives, who yep. are high power people, who have a lot of money and front facing, they just can't showcase that aspect of who they are because it reputation, right? So mm -hmm. from, from a reputation standpoint, from a brand standpoint, front face and they just can't do that so that's where yep. they go to be who they are and then there's other people that are very comfortable who they are in the light but this is this is an aspect a, a shadow if we want to use shadow a shadow aspect of who they are and I just don't want those two lives to mix so I'm comfortable with who I am in the light but when I go in the shadow element I'm free to be this aspect of myself and it creates balance. So you have this, hmm, 
This feels very sidereal Libra, tropical Scorpio. I'm starting to get the arc a little bit. <laughs> okay. I just had a moment. I was like, oh, this would Come on, connection. <laughs> I'm like, the more you know. <laughs> because I, I'm still, I would like to be a little bit more versed in sidereal astrology. Another conversation for another day. But I can see how the escapism could be a Scorpio element of kind of dwelling in the shadows and being the mystic and being the voyeur in in the secret space, in, in this private space, right? But then I can yeah. also see how for kink, some people, it creates balance where they don't have to compartmentalize themselves and they can yeah. be all the different iterations of themselves. So, excuse me, so it's it's making sense, but to your point, for those who have to escape, finding the root of why a person feels the need to hide in the shadows in order to escape who they may be in the light or to escape from having to be in the spotlight, finding that root makes sense because why can I not be out here with you know my nipples pierced and you can see my nipples pierced through my little cage mesh body suit like why can't I be this person at 12 o'clock in the afternoon why do I have to wait until 7 30 at night when I'm going to a dungeon or I'm, I'm showing showcasing at this like why does it have to be a demon time like why mm -hmm. is there demon time at all is that what do you mean are you just trying to tell me that from 6 a.m. To, to 5 p.m. is angel time. Like, what the fuck is that? So I'd like yeah. I, I get I get the I get your thought process because why can't I just integrate the two and be comfortable being all the parts of myself, whether it's the moonlight or the sunlight? Like, why do I why is there an element where I have to hide in the shadows? in order to avoid being judged, ridiculed, or for mm -hmm. people to ask me questions about, well, what the fuck is that, right? So Yeah, and it's like, you, you talk to these people, right? And it's like, you get to learn a lot about a people, a lot yeah. about a person based on the kinks that they have mm. and like their involvement, if they have any involvement in like the BDSM specific space. And then it's, I, I was talking to somebody uh, recently about this. It was like, even when it comes to like dating, because there are people who kind of like move about in this space and there is some dating that's going on. There's vetting, all of these these sort of terms um, that's going on in terms of like communicating. I'm getting to know these people because there are certain things that I want to be able to do and I need to know if this person's safe or not. Yeah. Um, and I think that like in the kink, in like the quote unquote vanilla world and, mm. you know, language is weird, but like in the quote unquote vanilla world, it's kind of like you meet people at their representative and you have to like really um, work with people to even maybe get to a point where you get to their dark part. Yeah. In the kink realm, it's opposite. I meet you at your darkness. Yeah. <laughs> and through understanding this, I get to see like who your representative is yeah. for people who don't know the, to the whole totality of you. Yeah. Um, and so I don't know. I just just find that very interesting when I think about like a space like this, even yeah. like not even just kink spaces, but like people who do, you know, the juke joints and the speakeasies and like all of these sort of like underground type of spaces. Yeah. What are these underground spaces saying about what's above ground? 
and like how you know how are people entertaining themselves relative to the political landscape that they find themselves in like yeah all of that shit i'm like give me all the connections <laughs> I, and i like it because i feel like and i know there's it's particularly here in like the new york new jersey area i know speakeasies exist but they're so close so it makes me think about so in in engagement planning for healthcare, right? Trying to reach healthcare providers. You have public social media networks and then you have closed communities where the healthcare providers only communicate with them, with their group, with that yeah. community. So it makes me think about that, thinking about juke joints and speakeasies and dungeons. All of those things are closed communities. So because it's closed and because it's gated, it becomes its own subculture. And within yeah. that subculture, you have a, a, a semblance of trust of being around people who are shared and like minds. So it's similar it, to what we were talking about early on about making friends. <laughs> right. It is. It is. A, it's, it's very similar because thinking about connecting with people in the king community if you're going to the same spaces whether you they're see virtual, some of the same people right whether they're virtual or in person you see some of the same people at this uh, at the same time or doing the same thing and you start developing relationships with people and you start developing friendships so you have that other that that nuance that subculture that commonality and it speaks to things that are above ground there's less commonality with a lot of the things you do outside of your subculture above ground than it is in your closed gated communities same thing with like black culture right we have our own gated communities our closed communities within the diaspora but in in the workplace and other public forums that we go to we have to compartmentalize ourselves that goes to like the code switching and all that other stuff we have to compartmentalize ourselves because that version of who we are just doesn't fit into the mm -hmm. societal makeup that we have to dwell in so it's the same with your kink aspect like your kinky self just doesn't fit within that broader culture so you have these subcultures and these subdivisions and these gated communities and these closed communities where you're connecting with shared interests like minds and like people where you can now be your you can be your full totality of yourself because y'all are all there for the same thing mm -hmm. it's layers bro it i mean but that's why I like, you know, I like doing it because, you know, it's it's like I'm not going to say it's easy to like critique the state. It's like. It's not easy because like everybody ain't listening, um, but it's like there's so much in terms of like. Like systems and institutions and how they do things that yeah. like sometimes it can like lose people. Yeah. Um, but like if you're talking about um, there are a couple I love talking about black sexuality. I, there are a couple songs. Mm -hmm. And the first thing I thought about was, oh, the girlies are in their songs talking about how capitalism is getting in the way of their pleasure. Correct. Like the it's song um, Masego and what's his name? Devin Morrison, the song Yams. Mm -hmm. I Can like I get to the song. Yams? Like, cause I have bills to pay. I love that song. It's a good song. But it's like, even the line though, it's like, yes. I get to Yams cause I have shit to do. Or there's another song, it's called um, L and F. Um, what's his name? Fabo? P-H-A-B-O. 
um there's a part um i know this song is about yeah but like there's a part in the in the course um he got too much money to get to so he can't be like laid up with you for too long because he got money to get to oh that brings me back to so <laughs> oh not go link um ah uh, it's with sid and Oh, I can't think of his name right now, but the song is called Siswa. And Sid saying says a line where the girls are like asking to spend a night, and she was like, No can do, I got a full schedule. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I got, I got work to do, I got a full schedule. So like you can stay with me for the night, but you can't spend the night because I got I got shit to do in the morning. And it's like, how are these songs communicating? how capitalism makes it difficult to relate to each other, mm -hmm. especially in a sexual context. Like, yeah. context. You mean to tell me you're not trying to spend the rest of the night with me because you got a whole schedule? You got a Take whole schedule. Right. <laughs> Duckworth. That's the name. So the song is called Sesquad and it's with Duckworth and Sid. But yes. But it's like, it's easier to make that argument with music like this because they already give you the language that you need to be able to build the argument. Yeah. And yeah. you don't need the $10 words to build this <laughs> argument. All you need to do is define capitalism mm -hmm. <laughs> and pleasure, maybe, you know, yes. like, yes. and you can begin to do that work. I, I, I really hope that there is this, um, this emphasis on mm -hmm. critical media analysis, especially since the children are all up on the interwebs. I like that. Even when we talk about, when we start pulling old school, particularly in Southern rap, we start pulling old school Southern rap and start finding like proverbs and affirmation. Like, Hello? I'm my mama, I'm my, I'm my hood. I look fly, I look good. Like, that is a whole affirmation. <laughs> like, that's it. Like, you don't even, you can sing that you could say that one course and then and then that goes to accessibility right because when people think about affirmations they feel like it's inaccessible to them because you we're told to create i am statements but if you just stand in the mirror and say i'm my mama i'm on my hood i look fly i look good and you say that every day bitch that's an affirmation yeah i like i will play certain songs like when i'm doing like when i'm making florida water Mm -hmm. like there are certain songs I like I gotta hear this I needed to hear Boundaries Featuring Tired and Exhausted by Duran Bernard mm -hmm. like I needed like certain songs yeah. to like really get me like this is the type of energy that I need in this working right now and, and I, like and like not everybody's gonna read a book but exactly. you can listen to a song especially since these songs are sh much shorter than they used to be exactly <laughs> you got small little interludes you got in-betweens and I think even like if we take it even further when when we start listening to artists like Duran um that makes it is easier because now we're talking about people who are in the queer community so if I'm listening to somebody who relates to me who's a part of the community they're going to speak to my experience as opposed to listening to somebody who's maybe cis hetero or only speaks from a hetero heteronormative gaze if I if there's more queer artists that I can listen to now there's an accessibility gap that's been closed for me and I can see myself in the lyrics I can relate to the lyrics so that goes even further when we're talking about accessibility and relatability yeah and also like I think 
age is kind of important as well. Cause mm-hmm. like Duran Bernard is like what thirty four, um, but I, I keep I think about like in the nineties when they used to sign niggas that were like eight <laughs> to do full projects, and they're talking about like sex and Love relationships. And sex. Like, ain't no way, ain't no way Monica had the same like that at 12, 14 years old. <laughs> Before yeah. you walk out of my life, right? Baby, get some ice cream. <laughs> it's one of them days. And your your period at that age is like really like cheap. It just started, girl. <laughs> you didn't have the content for this song until last month. <laughs> and so I think about like the level of control over over music as well because like you i don't think monica wrote that song for herself to sing like i don't think that was a thing at all and i think that with duran bernard specifically because i've seen like i love him so much he is one of my baby daddies um he you know so i watched like interviews and stuff like that and like he's talked about like you know one of the reasons why the girls can't really sing like that because they're not in the church so they don't have like that type of rehearsal or training people aren't media trained um, but yeah. also like he was very clear that he wanted like a certain level of control over mm-hmm. his like sort of music and all of that. And so I think that and also like I feel like at a certain age, once you start making like certain types of songs, like you done been through some shit. So like <laughs> there's it's difference between like hearing all these young niggas talk about stuff and like hearing someone who's slightly older that's like I was literally there like three years ago. Here where we at now. Exactly. <laughs> like Ari Linux is my favorite. Like I could not wait to get my new apartment so that I can play and blast new apartment because that is literally how you feel when you mm-hmm. finally got your shit together and you could go put your security deposit down plus first month's rent and you know you got your furniture on layaway if that's how you moving in life you got your furniture on layaway you know you could pay it off and you're not gonna accrue no interest and you could go walk around butt ass naked in your apartment do fucking cartwheels like that means something that's a level the dollar tree wine glasses let me know that this was for niggas Because anybody who's been to the Dollar Tree knows that the glasses are really good. Pristine, okay? For a dollar. For a dollar. But pristine. I was like, this is ridiculous. That's pure glass. (laughs) Hello? It is pure glass in the Dollar Tree. And if anybody make you feel like you ain't shit because you got Dollar Tree wine glasses, tell them to kiss what you twist and you don't mean your wrist. Like, fuck them niggas. (laughs) Them Dollar Tree glasses, the mason jars from Dollar Tree. I get my wine glasses. They got champagne flutes at the fucking Dollar Tree. Are you kidding me? Them shits is top tier. And they still lasting because I got all my shits that I bought five years ago with not a crack in them how about mm-hmm. that? it's that this that newspaper hello? <laughs> they wrap it in <laughs> hello it's the wrapping with intention that's what it is i'ma just hello? wrap this intention and i'ma fold the newspaper inside the mouth part so that it don't crack on the inside and nicely stack them in the plastic bag <laughs> that says dollar tree on it please it's like that's how i knew this album was for me <laughs> but you know like that and also like their that level of content for their music is like very to the to the mundane like yeah. Duran Bernard he said in an interview he's like he likes to talk about shit that's like every day mm-hmm. like is <laughs> that mm-hmm. like let me turn the volume down so I can see the numbers on your house like people know what that means <laughs> so I can hear the numbers on your house right because once you get confused you like uh turn this down 
Hello? I gotta see better. <laughs> I gotta see. I gotta think. Just like you turn the music down when you want to park, when you want a parallel park, when you gotta back something into the into the driveway. You're trying to back your car into the driveway. You gotta turn that music down. Focus. Focus. I can't see if this music's on. Focus. <laughs> the senses are connected. Hello. Focus. But yes, I love the Rambinar. I love Ari Linux. They are my babies. The Rambinar is my baby daddy. He's in the it. he's in the lineup. It's Sir Masego and Duran Bernard. I just added him oh. recently to the lineup. Duran Bernard aside, you got the problematic ones in your lineup because I know is <laughs> problematic. How are you married talking about fuck you and leave? Like what is that? Well, that's just like you know these niggas don't like to to sing for women anymore. They no. like to sing for men. They do sing for men, and men love hating women. <laughs> that is like a shared interest <laughs> that a lot of Child, that's, another have. that's another podcast <laughs> episode don't get me we'll be here all night talking about that shit cause... you know and like I'm clear that I need to rework my baby daddy lineup. you know I know that's okay <laughs> knowledge is the first key <laughs> musically I enjoy them yes <laughs> they are amazing all all of them are amazing musically like I love Sir I love Masego Duckworth is one of my favorites I love mm -hmm. Duran Bernard. Um, I listen to Gold Link every now and again. Jid is one of my faves. Love mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's he's pretty dope. Love me some Jid. <laughs> love me some Jid. Love me some Smino. Like that's just yeah. I've like, heard good things about Smino too. Oh, love me some Smino. Love, and I'm older than all of these people. So I just love them from afar because I ain't trying to catch a charge. Ain't nobody trying to call me a predator. I just listen to the music and I just keep moving. <laughs> okay. I just hit play and next. That's it. <laughs> That's it. That's it. Oh, this was great. <laughs> and no topic, no music. Hey. No music. Hey. <laughs> no, this is cool. This is like very uh this this feels like um like I'm having a check-in. <laughs> like, yes. I, I do check-ins. One of my friends, like, you know, if she posts something and I'm like, girl, you need a check-in, like I will literally hit her up, like, girl, you need a check-in. She'd be like, Yeah, I'm free on Friday. Or like, <laughs> no, nah, I'm good for right now. We could check in later or like whatnot. And we just be kicking for like an hour or two. Yes. <laughs> That's what we gotta do. We gotta do another. We gotta plan another check. Well, you can't be planning with me because clearly I'm haphazard as fuck. <laughs> are you haphazard or are you flexible? I I think of myself as flexible. Someone else with their naked eye may call me haphazard and chaotic. Some I might say. <laughs> some might say that I might be haphazard and chaotic. However, I. I E Y E I think of myself as Not E Y E E Y E. I think of myself as flexible. So yeah, but ah, oh, this was so much fun. Okay, wait. The Say It With Sex podcast is an audio experience of the Muses Lab and can be found on Anchor.fm, Spotify, Apple, and Google Podcasts. Be sure to share this episode and subscribe. For early access and exclusive drops, become a member of the Muses Garden 
found at www.patreon.com slash themuseslab. Your contribution helps support more exclusive and curated content, as well as the practitioners who help make the Muses Lab ecosystem possible.